Welcome to the Divorce Comeback Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified and trauma-informed divorce coach, professional planner, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that there are no setbacks in life, only set-ups for epic comebacks. So without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have an epic, epic, epic show for you today. One of my very dear friends is back for a return appearance after she joined me on an episode just a couple of months ago, which was episode number 160, Reflect and Connect Life Lessons from Women Doing the Inside Job. So the lovely Daphne Frandrick is a home design and renovation specialist and started her design journey in 2014 when she and her husband, John, a general contractor, were inspired to buy, renovate, and rent historic homes. They sold their first renovated home in 2016 and quickly realized that flipping homes meant much more to them than a fun hobby or a simple transaction. They genuinely enjoy capturing the essence of a home's character, learning about its history, and understanding the vision of its owners, then updating it with modern day designs and conveniences that preserve its rich history. They founded Heritage Restoration of Ohio in 2019 with both Daphne and John collaborating on projects full-time, each contributing their own strengths. Today, they not only renovate and restore their own homes, they also help homeowners bring the vision of their home, of their own home to reality. From a honeydew list to down to the studs renovation, no project is too big or small. Daphne and John love to problem solve, see opportunity in peeling wallpaper, and get excited about outdated fixtures and plastered walls where nothing is square. The couple handles every detail of your home renovation project from start to finish. Daphne and John serve the greater Columbus, Ohio area where they live with their three wonderful children. Welcome to the show, Daphne. Thank you. (laughs) It's quite an opening. (laughs) <laughs> it is. I, I love the work that you do in your renovation business and the way that you run your business and the way that it's just like so built around relationships and people. Mm-hmm. You know, something that wasn't in your bio that I want listeners to know is that you are, I know it's going to be hard for you to hear and take in, but <laughs> you are one of the kindest, most authentic, caring, and real people that I have ever met. And you just tell it how it is, but you give others and especially me permission to be the most fully expressed version of myself. And you just inspire me to be a good friend. So oh, thank you. Thank well, you. you. Are a good friend. <laughs> thank you. Well, today is all about helping our listeners bust and break free from the loneliness and lo- loneliness loop. Say that three times. Yeah. Bust and break free from the loneliness loop. And I know that both of us have experienced this probably many times in our lives. It's not exclusive to divorcees. Um, It happens to all humans. So you and I were having a little chat a few months ago, just in a a little dinner chat, and you opened up to share how you did just that in such a special way through and after your own divorce, which at the time, I didn't even know that you had been through a divorce. It's like, Mm -hmm. I knew you and I know, I mean, I know the life that we described in your bio and I see you as that. And it's interesting to meet somebody and then go, oh my gosh, you went through the hardship. You went through the pain. Like you went, you went through the loneliness too. So let's start here. Give it to us. Like give us your backstory, where you were at and kind of what you discovered. I know that that's like a huge, very vague question, but 
Let's just start wherever you want to start in your journey. Okay, great. And I will talk about the story that you and I had kind of brought up and you you always kind of inspire me to try to look in and and reflect and think about parts of my life. I'm usually a move forward person and think forward and to reflect and look back has been so helpful in a lot of my life. So it's kind of been interesting to go back to the that time in my life where I was very low and very lonely. So I appreciate that, although it's been <laughs> difficult sometimes to work through. Um, I've really knowing that we were going to be talking about this has is gotten got me in my feelings. So um, ah. hopefully, hopefully, you know, there's some nuggets of wisdom that I can pull out and might help some of your listeners. Um, it's interesting but, too, because when you do go back and you listen, it it like brings up a lot of stuff. Yes. And I I just I just shared with you before we we pressed record that there's been so many times where I go back and without knowing I'm I'm looking at something that happened in my life. And it's sometimes it's easy to get into like the coulda, should have, would have, but it's really the things that shaped who we are today. Yeah. And so I think it's it's very healthy to know that like sometimes you're going to kick up feelings from the past, but it's brought up so many incredible lessons that have like formed and made who we are today. So thanks for being vulnerable today. Yes, you're welcome. So really my journey kind of started, I moved um, from Cincinnati to Chicago randomly when I was 25. I just kind of had this feeling that Cincinnati wasn't giving me what I wanted out of life. And I was not really on the path that I wanted. And I, I just kind of impulsively moved to Chicago, which I do impulsive things as we've discussed. But, you know, I went up there thinking, I am going to make this life for myself and I am going to be successful and I'm going to meet tons of people. And what nobody told me was sometimes the bigger the city, the lonelier you are (laughs) because it's harder to meet people. So I spent about a year up there and just, it wasn't for me. And I made the very tough decision to move back to Cincinnati because I just didn't know what my next step should be. I had I just couldn't figure out where to go. So I just went back to what I knew, which was Cincinnati. But I felt like a failure. I mean, I, I, I felt like I couldn't make it in a big city. I couldn't find the career I wanted. I couldn't find the life that I wanted, the friendships that I wanted. So even though I came back to something that was a little more known to me, I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling great about myself or my life or where I was going. So you know this is, I have a quick question for you. This is really interesting because yeah. you're in Cincinnati and you felt, you felt like you didn't quite feel like your whole self or like the version of you that you wanted to be. When you went to Chicago, the big city, what story were you telling yourself that you were looking for? What were you trying to find? I think I was trying to find like my tribe. I was trying to find, you know, a group of people that, you know, were I was always wanted to be like this big businesswoman. And I thought, well, Chicago, I'll find, you know, this great job and and I'll have this, I'll be the picture of the girl, you know, with the briefcase on the on the train going to work. And I don't know why I thought this was what I wanted, because it turns out that's like not even close to who I am now. But at that point I was like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah. So I just felt like maybe getting out of a smaller Cincinnati feels like a smaller city, like maybe getting out and and moving and trying something new would uh, spark that. And and it really almost went the opposite direction because it made me go, oh, I don't, I not only can I not get that, is that really what I want? So I, so, you know, I moved back to Cincinnati and I moved to this little area of Cincinnati that's really fun um, called Mount Adams. And I got a little apartment and I thought, all right, this is it. Like I'm going to start over and 
just kind of move forward. And I remember I didn't have a washer and dryer. So I'm walking to the laundromat and in the window of the laundromat, there was a little flyer for Save the Animals Foundation, which was a local no-kill animal shelter. And I was like, I like dogs. And it had all these phone numbers on the bottom. And it said, you know, tear off if you want to volunteer. And I thought, you know, what do I have to lose? I don't really have a lot of friends and I don't have a lot to do besides my job. So why not? And I pulled it off and I made the decision to call. And I look back now and I think, you know, I could have easily walked by or not pulled that. So I don't know what was telling me to do it, but I remember this nudge, like this is something you need to do because it ended up impacting the rest of my life, you know, and I, but it was like such a small decision. And I think sometimes we get like these tiny decisions, you feel like, oh, well, I don't have to do that. It's not really going to be a big deal if I don't. But what a tiny decision does is ripple into potentially a very big impact. So I pull this off, I call and I said, I want to come in and volunteer. And they said, what do you do on Thursday night? And I was like, I I don't know. So I (laughs) went in and I started volunteering on Thursday nights at this animal shelter. And it was so interesting because one thing I'll say about, you know, I really am a big proponent about healing through service and, and, you know, healing loneliness through service and, and sadness through service. But when you're getting into something and you just can't see your way out, you have to fit, figure out a service organization or something that kind of holds you accountable. And what I liked, and I didn't know that at the time, it was just given to me, was that they said, okay, you know, if you do Thursday nights, you have to do every Thursday night. And I was like, okay. Cause you know, how easy yes. is it to go? I'll do it once and oh, I feel kind of better. But the next time when you're supposed to go, well, it's, I'm not really feeling that great. I'm not going to go or I don't, you know, I don't know if this is working. So it kind of gave me that level of accountability to where I had to show up for the people I was working with, volunteering with, and for those dogs every Thursday night. And so it kind of like, I was just blindly walking through this whole, this thing going every Thursday, going every Thursday. And no matter how bad I felt or, you know, what kind of day I was having, you know, you go there and it, it was a group of people that were working towards a common goal. Now I ended up becoming really good friends with a few of the people, but most of the people in the group aren't people I would go have a glass of wine with or, you know, invite over to dinner, but they were people that we had such a common bond of Mm. get in, let's take care of these animals and do the best we can to make their lives better today. And then, you know, we'll see you next Thursday. And it ended up just being this profound experience I did for 10 years and really, you know, it really impacted my life in terms of I was giving to, to, I am a big proponent of you give what you get. And I was giving because I couldn't, I couldn't get what I wanted. So I kept giving and giving and giving. And then slowly, I think I started getting what I wanted. So, yeah, I I feel like it goes back to that, that phrase of like, if you feel like you you need help, like go help someone else. That's not yes. the exact phrase, but it's something along the lines of like, give what you need yes. most and practice yes. or like give what you need the most and just mm-hmm. see what happens. And I, I, I've i realized that I've had that experience happen several times in my life where it's like, give what you need most and then see what happens. I love, I think this is really, really huge. A couple of things that you just said about healing through service. Number one, the accountability piece. Holy smokes, that is huge. Number two, along the same lines is routine, right? Like every Thursday night, you knew that there was this routineness of you showing up. And something really beautiful happens 
with consistency. And ironically, yeah. that that's my word for the new year. <laughs> and now that I've chosen it early, it just keeps popping up everywhere. But anyways, that routine, which yeah. I'm a big proponent of morning routine, which I call the self-certainty practice, but consistency or routine builds trust. And so much of what happens when we're in a deep, dark place is we forget how to trust ourselves or we forget how to tap into our trust. I call it like, how can you make a deposit to your trust bank? And one way you can do that through service is finding a cause that you get to show up. They need you to show up consistently. And that Mm -hmm. consistency yields trust, which is so much of what we need to feel human and take action and take more action. The other thing that that routineness does is gives you something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in life, you have nothing to look forward to. You just look down instead of forward or instead of upward. But to just be able to look forward to something that you know you get to show up for and somebody needs you. Somebody needs me when I don't feel needed, when I don't feel purposeful, like I can show up with a purpose. And then that last piece is connection with a cause. Community is everything. And I love what you said about the fact that these weren't necessarily the people that I was inviting over to my house to hang out all the time, but I looked forward to being in community with a cause with them because they had Mm -hmm. that same intention. And when when we come in, like, it's kind of the same thing that I found anytime that I've been a part of a church community or uh, another kind of a group or a networking group or like, but a cause, a service-based is so much different because there's just so much passion and purpose behind it. But people Mm -hmm. come together with the same intention and that just like yields these incredible things. So, so many huge pieces. What else? What else? So you're here, you you show up to this this situation on a weekly basis and yep. you're in the middle of like figuring out who you are and what direction you want your life to take. Yeah. And I think it's nice to have something that feels important to you that isn't about, you know, external things like how you look or how, you know, what your job is. It's just, it's kind of like, I kind of became known as, oh, that's Daphne. She volunteers at an animal shelter. It wasn't, it wasn't what paid me any money. It wasn't, and you know, it just, but it became this big thing. And I, I, would put on fundraisers for some of the dogs because that was something that I I could give. I was I you know was interested in that kind of thing. So I'd put on these big parties and we'd have fundraisers. And I started fostering. I actually worked with abused and neglected dogs the most. I liked working with dogs that had been in abuse situations and were healing. And it was it's so interesting because we talk about you don't really always know what you need, but somehow when you start giving it to somebody else, you're like, oh, that's what I need. So I was like working with these animals that were, you know, slow to understand how to reclaim their lives and, you know, how to be the, a dog that wasn't in this fear-based mentality. And it took a long time and it, you know, it's, it's very tedious and it takes a long time to get them to trust you. And you get these little nuggets along the way when they do, and you feel amazing. And it's, it kind of feels like, you know, helping with their healing journey was really impacting me in my healing journey. And the best explanation I could come up with, you know, after I started working with these dogs, I did throughout this 10-year process, I got shortly after I was 30 years old, I felt that I should get married. And I did to the first one that would have me. No, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I got married. I made a quick, I made a fast decision based on what I thought I should be doing, not what I wanted to do necessarily. So I did end up getting married. It was a very short two-year marriage. And thank goodness there were no children involved. So it ended up, it was, it was easier to navigate the separation and all that. 
Um, but it was still very painful. And I am one of those people that's like, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Like, yes. not, don't worry about me. I remember my boss at the time was like, you're just so upbeat for someone that's going through this. And I was like, well, I'm fine. That's because I'm just fine. And, but you know, you people that say they're fine really aren't fine. I was masking yeah. these feelings. And right after, you know, we had gone through this whole thing, I started working with dogs that needed end of life care. So there was older dogs that were at the shelter that it's hard to know if they're at the point of needing to move on. I would bring those dogs home and let them settle and spend the last, if it's hours, if it's weeks at my house, being loved on and appreciated. And this is going to make me cry. I remember really just sometimes just sitting with them in the quiet, having my hand on them, breathing with them, help them kind of make the decision to move on. Or maybe they just needed something and they would end up being fine. But I just remember sitting and breathing and kind of trying to feel into their pain. And that's what I needed. I didn't have anyone that just sat with me and was like, I'm here. I'm not going to tell you everything happens for a reason. I'm not going to tell you you'll find someone. I'm not going to tell you your life's going to be fine. Just I'm going to tell you it sucks. And I just want to sit here and be with you. That's what I needed. And I didn't know that until I started giving it to these animals. And it was it was such an amazing thing to be a part of. And I really loved it. I loved every minute of it because I was able to give what I wasn't getting. But then later in my life, you know, I started, I, I, you know, I, I did get over my divorce and, you know, four years later I met my husband and married him and we went through a lot of fertility struggles and I, you know, had miscarriages and, you know, fertility, infertility is just such a weird, painful thing. And I remember, you know, I would seek out people that had gone through things like that because they knew what to say or, or how to be with you. You know, most people would be like, Oh, everything happens for a reason that my least favorite saying, yeah. um, or, you know, you know, or, or it'll happen next time. And I didn't want to hear that. I wanted someone to sit with me and say, this sucks. Or, yeah. you know, I know that pain. I know that feeling. And I think that's what you do. That's so wonderful is bringing these women together that, you know, have gone through or are going through a divorce and, just being with other people that know what you need, even if that's just to sit and listen or breathe and not necessarily give advice. Like it's such a cool community that you're, you're putting together and women need that. You know, we need to find people that have been through what we've been through. And I am, I am so able to talk to somebody when I hear about somebody that went through a miscarriage or infertility, I feel like I can be with them in the way they need to be, you know, I can be that with them. And it's such a, I feel like it's now become this gift that I was given, which it was terrible when I was going through it. But now I look back and I think what a gift I was given is the ability to see someone through this pain. So I feel like I'm almost grateful for some of these things that have happened in my life because because I want to be a light for people and I want to be someone that can sit and share and hold space for the pain that they're in and not give them advice because everyone wants to give advice, right? Don't give advice. Don't, you know, I mean, sometimes you need that, but you know, it's always, it's not always about distracting or giving advice. Sometimes it's just about being, you know, and I think that's been something I'm so fortunate that I'm able to give now. Mm, You're so, so good at holding space. And that's something that I had to learn. I didn't realize what that even meant. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was a practice and honestly, like a superpower once you learn how to effectively hold space for someone else. 
But I love what you said, just be with them. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and learning that through your service at a time when you felt lonely. And then I I would imagine that like starts to dissipate and dissipate because just as you give to someone else or something else, it just starts to just morph into something that's for you. And I think people underestimate just being with someone. Yeah. I remember one time, this is, I will never forget this. And it's interesting because I, yesterday I was having a really reflective day of like, a practice that I want to carry into the new year, which is telling people more often, like how much they mean to me in, in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, like on a deeper level though, not just like, Hey, you mean so much to me. I care about you. Or like, like <laughs> giving specific moments in time where this, where people have truly, truly been game changers in my life and acknowledging them now, even though it's so far gone, like letting them know that that's, that was a pivotal point. And sometimes we can only do that in hindsight. But anyways, one of the days was when I was crying on the bathroom floor, you know, all things oh, completely oh, yeah. the bathroom floor. <laughs> I was crying so loud without knowing it that my neighbor, because I lived in a really crappy apartment, but it was the only thing I could afford after divorce. It was a shoebox apartment with a Murphy mm-hmm. bed that you had to pull down and then everything creaked and, you know, the springs <laughs> gonged when it hit the ground. And like, it was just, it was just, but I still lived on the beach and I was, you know, do, paying for it on my own after going through divorce. And that was like something I was really proud of. Well, the walls were paper thin. And my neighbor, who <laughs> I knew for maybe a month, knocked on my door. And he was a single guy. And he uh, he said, Heidi, um, are you okay? And I'm, you know, bawling my eyes out. <laughs> and he said, you know, I think you should come over. My brother and his girlfriend are over. And we're just going to watch a movie. Just come over. And I was like, I I'm, look at me. I'm, you know, I, I'm a hot yeah. man. He's like, I think that you need to be with people right now. And so he got a blanket and he put it around me and he walked me the like 20 steps to his couch. They oh. all moved off the couch into other furniture, laid me down, <laughs> got me a cup of tea, which I never drank a sip of. And I kind of like would whimper a little <laughs> and then I would stop. But I was, I was being, what they were doing was inviting me to be in a space and just just be with me. I love that. We didn't say any words. Everyone watched the movie and every once in a while, somebody would get up to go get something and they would just like rub my arm, you know, give give me a pat on the blanket, just acknowledgement. The acknowledgement of, and this goes back to your service with the dog's end of life. The acknowledgement of, I know you're in pain. I'm here for you. You yep. don't have to change anything. You're going to make your way to a different space in your own t- perfect timing. Yep. And I'm just going to be here while you yes. while you move through it, while you do whatever is happening inside of you. I'm just going to be here. Yep. And that is such a powerful piece. And like you said, like letting people know that you know how they feel if we can remember as we go through hard things that we are going to be able to look back and collect so many loving growth, expansive lessons for ourselves, mm-hmm. where even, and, and even if it's, I'm going to be so proud of myself 20 years after I went <laughs> yeah. through it, right? Like sometimes it takes that long to go like, I did that. Yes. I did that. I, I made it through that. I survived that. I created this. I chose to follow the nudge. Like what if you like yes. you chose to rip the, the, thing off the paper yes. and actually make the call. Yeah. And it was nothing more than a nudge reaction. Like I'm going to follow the nudges. And that's a huge lesson that I think we all need to take and run with more often that first of all, learn what your nudge nudges feel like 
And then yeah. whenever you feel it, you need to take action, like take yeah. action, do something with it. Um, yep. But really like letting someone know I've got you. Mm-hmm. I know how you feel. It is one of the greatest gifts of the work that I do and of being a divorced woman. Now I can literally say it's kind of like I equated up to like being a new mom. I've never been a new mom, but if you're a new mom and you meet a new mom, I would imagine that you go, there's not yep. a lot of words, but yep. just saying I'm a new mom, you get it. You stand there together. You could hold hands for a hot second. You could just look in their eyes, but they get what it means. It's yes. the same thing with being divorced or going through infertility. It's like, I went I went through this experience and there's this shared energy that is unspoken. That's unlike anything that I've ever felt. And being in a community of women who are navigating that experience is like one of the most powerful things yes. that you can do for yourself. Get in a room with people that get you. It's yes. really important. And the so service important. the service option is so huge because sometimes it feels hard to get in a room with people that you get you. But if you use purpose behind it, like your love for dogs and helping, if you could use that intention and that purpose, then it drives you to find other people who have that same, there's a hub of something. Yes. That, that, that kind of like pulse, that heartbeat of something that you're like, oh, we all gravitate towards this, this, this piece. Yeah. I love that. Oh, this is so huge. Okay, it's time for a 10-second break to tell you about something great. Did you know that there's a community of divorced women who meet up virtually on a weekly basis and heal through divorce together? That's right. Our 12-week comeback community and group coaching experience provides the roadmap, the resources, and the relationships needed to navigate your new normal, create your comeback, and thrive after divorce. Take it from me, when you've got a plan and a partner in place, you'll be moving forward faster in no time. Visit divorcecomebackcoach.com and book your free clarity call with me, Heidi B, today and see if it's a fit. All right, let's get back to the show. When you were talking, I just had this really like a, a remembrance of this story. And it, it kind of feels like it relates a little bit to what we've been talking about in terms of just kind of being there with someone. And this random thing happened to me. I was driving my kids to school one day. This was a couple of years ago. And I have two boys that are 11, they're twins, and they were born through IVF, my miracle babies. And then a true miracle, um, my daughter, who was born when I was. 42 years old, randomly with no medical intervention. So <laughs> it was a was a shock to everyone, um, mostly to myself, but I was driving them all three to school. And I remember that feeling of like, when I found out that I was pregnant with this little girl and I was not prepared for it, um, it was not in the plan. I was a little older than I would have wanted to be. And I just remember that feeling of what is going on, like that confusion and all that. So, and it was really hard. It was a hard moment for me in time. Well, I'm driving them to school one day and it was icy out. And the I, the car in front of me, I must like, we were at a stop and it like my car kind of like just tapped hers, like nothing huge, but just tapped. It was just like an ice situation. So I get out of the car, you know, as you do. And this woman gets out of the car and we just, I, you know, she said something about, I said, I think everything looks good or, you know, is everything good? And she just starts crying. And I was like, what's going on? Are you all right? Are you hurt? And she said, no, I'm so sorry. I just found out this morning that I'm pregnant with my third child and I already have two and I'm a little old and it's not really in the plan and I don't know really what to do. I mean, it was like my exact Ah. feelings when I found out and I was like, I'm going to tell you this right now. 
I have a little girl in the car who was, I felt the same way about, and I promise you this child is a blessing. You just need to, you know, feel it. And I promise you it's all going to work out. I don't, you, we met each other for a reason. And I hugged her in the middle of Ah. the street. We were hugging (laughs) and she was like, just thank you. She was like, thank you so much for your kindness. And we got back in the car. My kids are like, what are you doing? Hugging these strangers. And, like, and I was like, I don't know. I just felt like, and she, and it was like this moment of like, I feel like we were brought together for a reason because she needed to feel like it's going to be okay. And I remember feeling like it wasn't. And I just, it was like this really neat, like meetup of people that like I could give her that little bit of wisdom. It was oh so Oh my random. gosh. That I know. Is, that is, is so cool. There, I, I really don't believe in coincidences. I just, <laughs> I really do just think like <laughs> miracle, magical moments just happen when you need them, when you least expect it. And yeah. even that is an example of loneliness. How lonely did this woman feel in her car? So overwhelmed by emotion, feeling like probably like no one else is probably experiencing this. And then there yeah. you are. You were meant to just give the, the bump was like the nudge. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the bump. Here's the nudge. Get out something. There's something to be explored here. There's something more here. And for her to just yeah. reveal it to you in that moment. And, and the power in being vulnerable is we give people permission to be less lonely. Yes. Right. Yeah. Permission yes. to be seen, to be heard, to be held in those moments that we feel like we're the only freaking one. I think yes. a lot of times people talk about, I, I hear this all the time, and I say it a lot too. So I'm guilty about this desire to be authentic, be their authentic selves, or be mm. more authentic. And I think that the partnership of vulnerability is like the gateway to authenticity. And the way to show up truly yourself is to just be vulnerable and be real in the moment and say what's actually happening with you. And when someone asks you, how are you? You actually say, I'm having a really hard day. I don't want to talk about it. Or, you know, I'm having a hard day. I need a minute. I need a pause. I need to walk away. Like being able to say the reality and then how someone can support us. And maybe it's just like, I just need you to walk away for a minute. I need some alone time. That to me is true authenticity. And if we can all do a better job of presenting ourselves in a way that's Mm -hmm. the real deal, we give permission to other people to do the same thing. And it's really, really, really powerful. I even think that that is a lesson in loneliness. Like when we can say, I'm just feeling really freaking lonely today. Yeah. Like yeah, I could. I just could really use some comforting or some this or some that. Like instead of just saying you're lonely, ask yourself, what do I need most right now? Yep. And what sometimes it's just right connection. Now? It's just, it's feeling like you're not alone in the world. You don't need to find a best friend or a new person to share your life with. It's sometimes you just want to connect with humans around you because you feel so isolated. And I always think, you know, when, when I felt like that in my life or when I'm feeling like that now, even it doesn't have to be a huge act of service. It could be, I have literally consciously said this to myself and and I'm talking recently because I do this as a practice now is when I'm feeling kind of eh, or a little, little sad about something or, or just kind of in a funk, I make it my point to find someone throughout the day that I can either compliment or smile at. That is someone that doesn't get it a lot. Like the person at the car repair shop or the person at the grocery store and not say like, Oh, you know, how are you doing today? It's more like, Oh, I really, I, I really enjoy how friendly you are when you're talking to the customers or like something that makes yes. them feel good. That's like really about them. And it makes you feel good to get, cause you can see the light in their eyes. It's truly this small acts of 
giving what you want, even when you're like, if you're grumpy or if you're, you know, feeling like you just don't feel like being peppy and happy, sometimes just saying, okay, I am going to just smile at this person, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give them a compliment or something. It really does kind of raise your energy level. I yes. I believe that too. And I love that you said too, like, it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. No. Like you, you don't have to run out today after this. And if you feel called by all means, this, this, this was your sign. <laughs> Animal shelters will be packed with volunteers. Yes. You know, the, and if this was your sign to go out and do something different, because I truly believe that transformation happens. Like, first of all, transformation happens at the intersection of love and pain. So it's both. It's loving yeah. ourselves enough and acknowledging our pain and then yeah. doing something with it. So doing, taking action, doing life differently, choosing that for yourself is a huge thing, but it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It could even be just like thinking about where you might want to insert yourself over the next couple Mm -hmm. of weeks. But I I have another example and it's just like a little example, but we decided we were going to check out a local uh, drive-in chain. Like drive-ins don't exist a lot, but we're like, we keep driving past it. It's in our home. It's in our city. And I'm like, well, when are we going to go to that? So we had plans this weekend to go to this one place. And that one was actually not open yet. Their grand opening wasn't happening until a couple of days later. So I'm like, well, we keep talking about this other place. Let's go. So it's this drive-in where you drive, you drive up and, and immediately, and I hadn't been to one like this, like ever immediately within seconds of our car pulling in, we hadn't even put it in park. This kid runs through the door and he's at our window. Like we barely have a chance to, you know, roll the window down. And he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I'm in, uh, I, I want you to love your experience here today, but I have to tell you that our shake machine is broke and it's going to be about a 15, 10 to 15 minute experience. I'm so sorry, but you know, you're going to love this food. And I hope that you come back like already. He's just <laughs> so like, so into his job. And then we quickly realized that this kid was the only one working. In fact, he was <gasps> he was not only running to all the cars outside. And it literally was like every time a car drove up, boom, he's out the door. He's running. He's running into all the cars. But with an enthusiasm for his job and a love for this burger drive-in that <laughs> I had never seen. Like he really was committed to the success and his job. And he would, you know, explain, explain the menu and detail, all these things. And then we asked him like, are you literally like making the burgers too? And he's like, well, I am, I am helping. Like I'm helping do all the things because we want you to have as good of an experience. We can't help it. We can't help it when people don't show up and it's really hard, but we just, we just do our best and we try to keep it real. So as I'm watching him run around, I'm thinking like, how can I acknowledge this guy? You know, and like, I, I, I was feeling very inspired by his work ethic and his attitude, because if that were me, I'm telling you, I would have been like, I'm locking the door. I even told my boyfriend, I'm like, I would lock the door and say <laughs> four people didn't show up today. We're closed. Right. Yeah. But not him. Not, not, I don't want to say his name because I, just in case, but I will go back because of him. Like the food was subpar, it was fine, but he was so dedicated to his practice. And you know what he said to us? He said, I don't even want to offer you what we're supposed to offer you today, but we're selling gift cards for the holiday season. And if you, if, if I sell, if, if I'm the top seller, I get to choose my schedule in the new year. Oh, I wanted to buy like 200 gift cards. (laughs) You know what I mean? But he said it with such an authenticity of like, I care about my job. I feel bad about asking you. But the thing that we did, this was a really long story to tell you. The thing that we did falls in line with your great advice which was in that moment, he came back. And as we're paying the bill, I said, I have never seen somebody work 
the way that you do. You're you're so good at your job. You're servicing everybody. You're setting up expectations. Like we, I gave him details of, wow, they're really lucky to have you here. Like you should climb to management immediately if if you're not like. And then I asked, like, how can we recognize you? Like, you know, leave a Google review, whatever, whatever. And it was just like a cool moment of like a little thing, and you, I saw his eyes light up. It was mm-hmm. just like I'm running everywhere, and someone just said. And someone acknowledged that I'm doing it, yep. that I'm showing up the way that I want it, the way that I want to show up for me. It was like, he wasn't just doing it for this establishment. I could tell there was a deeper thing of like, this mm-hmm. kid wanted to be the kind of guy that shows up. Yeah. And, um, I just, uh, I thought that was really inspiring. Just, I think if we can look around and be inspired by other humans, just living their daily lives, I think that's a really powerful. Yes. Thing. And helps to, you know, I think in that situation, someone's, you know, was doing something so positive, but I think it also kind of lets you look through the lens of compassion. You know, when you, when you've been through the things, you know, and, and hard times, you can, I try to always tell myself, if I see someone that's grumpy, I try to tell myself a story about why they're grumpy and that, you know, they're probably not really like that, but they just are having a bad day or what's really causing them to feel that way. And it's so funny. I went, I had this moment. This was a few weeks ago. I was going to an event for work and there was a, we were trying to, I was fine trying to find the parking lot. And I rolled down my window to this woman who was in the parking lot. And I was like, is this, do you think this is where we're supposed to be? And she kind of like blew me off and was grumpy. And, and I thought I was kind of, at first I was a little jarred. And then I thought, you know what, maybe she's just as nervous about finding the place to park and the building we're going to that I am. And her way of showing it is by like, just kind of this, this grumpy energy. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to try again. So we get out of the car and I was like, do you want it? Will you walk with me to the building? I'm not sure where I'm going. And she was like, okay. And we had the nicest chat the whole way there. We ended up exchanging contacts because she, I think we can help each other in our business a little bit. And it was just this funny thing where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let that interaction be the story because I know there's times in my life where I've felt terrible and I've probably not acted in a nice way. And people that give you grace when you're in those moments really shape you whether or not they ever know it. It's just someone gives you the benefit of the doubt that you're not really a grumpy, terrible person. You just are going through something. So like that, being through that stuff and doing that lets you look through a lens of compassion and really you know, instead of judging that person for being angry, saying like, what, what could I maybe do to, to flip their day around? Or how can I make whatever their experience is a little better? I had this experience recently. I have, it seems to be revolving around cars that I meet someone <laughs> um, randomly. So I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like last holiday season, I remember, you know, it's hectic. It's crazy. I have kids in the car, everyone's screaming and yelling, and I'm probably screaming and yelling. And we're in the Wendy's drive through and because usually that's my bribe. So we're in the Wendy's drive through and this girl who couldn't have been 25 drives and, and kind of cracks into me at the end, like in the drive through again. So we get out of the car and she's, I can instantly see she's frazzled. And she reminded me instantly of my 25 year old self that was kind of going through life, like, ah, you know, frenetic energy. <laughs> and so, and she's like, I am so sorry. And I go, look, I don't think you did anything. There's nothing on here. You couldn't tell anyway, in this car, you know, laughing. And she was like, are you sure? Like, I just, I work in retail and people are not like today. Nobody's really been nice today. And I'm trying to get on my lunch break and get back. And I'm just feeling overwhelmed. And she just started like tearing up. And I looked at her and I was like, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. And it's not a big deal. Do not worry about me one more second of the day. 
And I gave her a big fat hug in the Wendy's drive through because this is what I do in standing traffic. And she got back <laughs> into her car. And then we drove up and I waited for her to order and I paid for her lunch and I drove away. And my kids are like, why did you do that? And I, she hit our car. Why did you pay for her lunch? I'm like, because that was me. I saw me. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I wish, you know, like a little act of kindness for her during a crazy holiday season working in retail for her to feel that that there was some kindness headed her way is probably going to help her get through the rest of the season. And it just felt like I needed to give that to her because it was like something I would be giving to myself if I had had someone to do that when I was that age. So it's just a, I don't know. It's just so interesting to think about, you know, what people are going through and how we can help them. And it really, really does help us. And then my kids got to see something, you know, and, oh yeah, which is a huge lesson too. But I think, um, I don't know, showing up for other people always makes you feel better. Yeah. Well, I I know one of the things that you shared with me earlier was you said, I would love to go back and be there for myself. Like I would love to go back and tell myself these things, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And so instead what I do is like, use what I know now to share that with other people. And you've done that on this show today, but also the way that you walk through life and the examples that you've shared are inspiration to other people that if you need hope, give some. If you need help, yeah. give some. If yes. you need love, give some. The The gift of giving can be such a powerful, powerful practice. And a lot of times we feel lonely because we feel like no one wants to hang out with us or be with us, or, you know, I don't have my significant other anymore or my partner anymore. And so who am I? I can't go do all these things. I know I had a million stories when I was going through mm-hmm. my divorce and creating this next chapter, like that made me want to just isolate in. And being able to get into service is a great way to get out and share so many things and co- be co-nourished in an experience like you shared today. And a couple of things that you mentioned in our show notes, which is like a giving heart heals itself. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a such yeah. powerful quote, a giving heart heals itself. Heals itself. It's <gasps> true. It's it's really how I feel. Oh, it's It's so good. That's so good. And then another thing that you had shared was the inclination towards service stays with you even after you have healed. Yes, I mean, and I, it's true. It's I feel that like that service that I was providing that helped heal me, I feel like it's impacted the way that I go about my daily life now. And so I think when you when you have that when you do that for yourself, you're giving yourself a lifelong gift of always leaning towards how can I help as your first, you know, instinct. Oof, that's so huge. That's so huge. And then the last kind of tidbit we want you guys to walk away with is that service builds community and long lasting ties of friendship. It's so Mm -hmm. powerful. It really is. You can cultivate really meaningful relationships when you come into those circles of of people who have the same vision or the same intention, the same passion. It's it's and it and it can last, can last a long time. Yes. What is one thing, and maybe it's just a, maybe it's what we were just talking about today, but I I ask a lot of times on this podcast, what's one thing our listeners can start doing today to create their comeback? Ooh, that's a good one. I think today, starting today, I would start with the small things, the small steps, the the smiling. I'm actually, one of my really good friends is going through um, a divorce and she's not ready to date yet, but she's ready to kind of start putting herself out there. And she said to me this weekend, she said, have made it a conscious effort that I am going to keep my head up when I'm in a store and I'm going to smile and have eye contact with people. 
And that's huge, right? Like, yes. and I was like, great job. And she's like, I know it's small. And I'm like, no, that's huge. Because just acknowledging like, I'm not ready to date yet. I'm not ready to really even strike up a great conversation with someone, but I'm ready to look up instead of down and I'm ready to smile and maybe say hi. And I thought, what a cool thing to be able to give yourself that little step because you do that for a week or two. And then the next week you're saying, oh, you know, some, how was your day or whatever and, and striking up a conversation. And so I think that we all feel like I have to solve this all now, but really what starts today is the teeny tiny little steps that I'm going to smile at one stranger, or I'm going to, you know, be super friendly to a cashier that I check out or something, or I'm going to get out of my house and go to the, even if I don't need anything, I'm going to the grocery store just so I can, you know, say hi to someone that's checking out, you know, in my lane, like just the teeny tiny things you can do to start bringing yourself up because it's really hard when you're feeling like you just don't want to go on. It's hard to say, oh, well, I'm going to go on this massive healing journey. You know, mm. it's really difficult. So get up and just, just like make eye contact, just smile. Ooh, <laughs> just that's have that so be your- good. That is, that is great advice. I love the small acts and the, the conscious effort. That's something you just said was like, she said she decided she was going to make the conscious effort. That yep. is so powerful. Oh, I'm, cool I'm going to do this thing. And um, it is it is going to change things for her. I had a running coach one time, which by the way, I make it sound like I was on track and field or something. No, I gained a lot of weight in college. <laughs> I came, moved back to my hometown, lived with my parents for a couple of years. And during that time, I found a running club because I wanted to shed some pounds. And I remember the running coach saying, if you can smile, you can take one more step. Ooh. And I remember, and it was this running club that met, mind you, January through March in Ugh. Michigan in the <laughs> snow on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Okay. So all the things. You were committed. <laughs> I was committed. I was committed, but it ended up just being such a growth journey. But I, that will stick with me forever because when you're running through the snow and the cold and you're hoping that you don't fall on your ass from the ice and this, just everything is yep. just, it's frigid. And you're kind of like, why am I doing this? I remember going, oh my gosh, my legs hurt so bad. I'm supposed to run four miles today. And I don't even like, I don't even know if I can run one. Getting to that three and a half mile mark going, okay, you've got five more minutes. And I literally felt the sides of my cheeks come up towards my ears. And even though it was like a grit smile, it was a smile and I could take one more step. So I think the message that your friend shared was just meant to be heard today. And it's so powerful. So, okay. How can people get more of you in their life? They want to find you, um, (laughs) get the master designing in their life, or just like maybe like get get just some more feel good to your energy. So at the, how, can, they, how can yeah. they find you? <laughs> I am, uh, my business page on Instagram is flipping Fandrix and it should be linked in the show notes and, or heritage restoration of Ohio.com is our website. And I would love to just, I'd hear from anyone. I love to create like, one of the things that we want to do. Speaking of services, create, you know, uh, an organization where we can do these these jobs for people, but then, you know, every 10th job we can do would be maybe like a philanthropic, a job for somebody that doesn't have the money to fix up their house or something. So we're really working towards, you know, inspirational acts of using our talents to help people. So if anyone has any advice on, on how I could get involved in that, that's been on my heart for a while. And I would love some input on maybe how people have done that in their lives. So get in touch. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Yes. We'll put everything in the show notes. We have two quick closing questions. The first one is what's one thing that you love about you? 
I love my zest. And I got that word from, I took the um, VIA character test. If you've ever done that, it's this great test that helps you understand your, the characteristics that you mostly show. So it's not, it's just the things that are like kind of the most important and how you show up for the world. And one of the words was zest. And I remember thinking when I read this, this was like two weeks ago. Uh, and I remember thinking that word kind of does feel like how I feel. And I've never been able to put it into words. I just kind of wake up with this like, oh, yay, what's today going to bring? I'm so excited. What can I do? What can I? And so that that word zest kind of like it felt right to me, like this zest for life. So I think that's kind of what I like the most about myself is that I can, I kind of show up with this zest for life and hopefully it can be kind of contagious, sometimes annoying, I'm sure. But uh, for me, it's my favorite part about me is that I wake up like positive and full of like ready for the day. I would 100% describe you as zest filled. (laughs) I mean, I think if someone asked me for one word to describe you, I think I would have picked that word without you even telling me that. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And it is my, one of my favorite things about you. So if, if it annoys anyone else, then they're not meant for you. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> and then the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? I, oh, that's good. I feel like joy to me feels like a lightness. I feel like when I'm going through something tough, I get like a tense neck and just like that pit in your stomach. And when I feel joy, it feels like I'm kind of floating almost like a yes. lightness. Like I'm just kind of walking through life without the tense shoulders, without the, you know, you when you let yourself go to like just enjoy something beautiful or laugh really loud at something, and you just you feel your body just kind of levitate a tiny bit. It's like that feeling of lightness that that's what joy feels like to me. Hundred percent, love it, love it, love you. Yay. I'm so grateful for your time, your energy, expertise. Just appreciate all of you today. Yay. And for all of you listening, remember you are safe, you are loved, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting over on Instagram at Divorce Comeback Coach or go to divorcecomebackcoach.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to see if our comeback community and group coaching experience is for you. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are safe, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.